The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you for joining us today, especially today. I'm very happy um, to be doing this particular show. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and our topic today is Nursing Leadership Back to the Future. Uh, next week on the 12th is the 200th anniversary of the birth of Florence Nightingale, who literally transformed how healthcare was managed and delivered in the mid 1800s. She's especially remembered because she not only accomplished this uh, incredible feat against all odds, but she wrote down her realizations for posterity. The most uh, remembered probably are notes on nursing and notes on hospitals, which are still. Um, uh, very pertinent uh, in our present time. Um, the, in this era of COVID-19, the world will need to take an even deeper look at needed changes in healthcare leadership and management. This will not need to be completely rewritten. We simply need to go back to the core principles and roots of nursing philosophy. At this point, I also truly want to honor the nurses uh, in this week of Florence Nightingale in the month of nursing uh, appreciation and the year of the nurse, uh, the International Year of the Nurse and Midwives. Uh, I can't think of a more particular time to um, honor them. And this, the thing that most has impressed me over these last few weeks has been listening to nurses as they talk about uh, what they're doing. When they're talking about PPE and not having equipment, they're exhausted and they look, you know, uh, dragging. But when they start to talk about um, the way they've been able to connect to their patients and the patient's families in a spiritual and emotional way, they just like soar. They're so happy that even if they can do it with one patient or with a, a couple of patients in a shift, they think it's fantastic. And I just really want to point that out, that that's one of the things that I think makes them so different from any other healthcare provider. So Today, I would like to uh, welcome my guest is Margaret Erickson. She is the CEO of the American Holistic Nurses Credentialing Corporation since May 2000. Uh, and she is a very sought after national nursing speaker who holds close to her heart the imperative that we need, that the imperative need for nurses to be at the table of all healthcare decisions in the USA and in the world going forward. And I heartily agree. So Margaret Erickson, welcome. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. It's quite an honor. To well, be thank here. you. So could you give us just a brief overview of your career and what brought you to this passion for nurses, especially transformational nursing? Yes, I'm happy to talk about that. I always thought I'd be a, a nurse growing up. My mother is a um, well-known holistic nurse theorist, 
she talks about the importance of understanding people's worldviews and then planning interventions within that worldview. Um, her name is Helen Erickson, and so as a, a young person growing up, I always thought I'd be a nurse. Went to nursing school at the University of Michigan, and my sophomore year was very um, medically heavy. In other words, it was pathophysiology, it was biochemistry, and I came out of the year feeling a little discouraged and not real excited about nursing, and I decided to uh, spend my sophomore year working on a dude ranch in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I milked the cow and did all the chores and fixed breakfast for the family and then went out and worked. And I fell in love with the lifestyle, Um, being out in nature. I took horse rides at sunrise every morning after the chores were done, and I was offered the opportunity to become a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse, and I was totally entranced. I loved teaching. I had done a lot of work with children through Girl Scouts over the years, and I called my parents to tell them that I was going to leave nursing. I was going to be a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse. And my mother, who was a professor at the University of Michigan, freaked out. And she spent an hour talking to me about the value of nursing, that it had many different um, settings, many different roles, that it was a rich job, that rich not in um, money but in um, the gifts that you were gifted with throughout your profession, and told me that the curriculum was changing and that if I left the curriculum, I would have to start all over and asked me to strongly consider coming back and finishing my last two years. Mm-hmm. And I made a decision then to go back and finish nursing school because it was very important to my mother. And in the process of the last two years, I started doing a lot more clinical, and I fell in love with um, the people that I had the opportunity to work with, that I was gifted to be with. And ended up going from uh, University of Michigan when I graduated. I went back to South Dakota and the Black Hills because I wanted a more rural area. And from there, I worked ICU. And over the last 40 years, I taught at the University of Michigan in Austin. I taught holistic nursing uh, both at the graduate and undergraduate level at UT as well as uh, Tennessee State University. I worked uh, labor delivery newborn for a couple of years at Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota. I worked long-term care, did case management and discharge planning. So I really think about my practice being from the first breath to the last breath that people take. And as I got more involved in um, nursing and had more opportunities, I really started to understand that it was a calling, it wasn't a profession. And so from... uh, South Dakota and the Black Hills, I came back and got my master's and Ph.D. in nursing at UT Austin. And 20 years ago, this month, I started working as CEO for HNCC with the goal to help increase visibility in holistic nursing and the roots of nursing and to help people validate that practice, that way of thinking, that way of being through national credentialing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite a ride and journey, and I'm sure very interesting along the way, and I'm sure your mom is probably very happy. (laughs) Um, In full disclosure, I have to say also that um, my nursing theory modeling was Helen Erickson's uh, model and role modeling, which uh, had a really profound impact on 
my understanding of the nurse role and made a big difference. I, I didn't think I, I had been a diploma nurse, went back to get my degree just so I could have the piece of paper that said I knew how to be a nurse. I was very uh, cynical about it. Uh, but in doing that practice and especially using that theory of practice, uh, it really changed my whole perspective on who I was as a nurse and what my job was with the patient. And that made all the difference for me. So um, now that we have that out of the way, I would like to come back to nurses in the year of COVID. And I'd like to pick your brain on what you'd like to say about that. Wow. <laughs> so much to say. I think one of the things that's really come to me years ago, I was whining about a tough life experience, and my mother commented that the biggest gifts come in the most difficult packages. Yep. And I, along with many other nurses, probably tens of thousands, maybe more, millions of nurses, probably have gone through grieving because COVID came at a time when we were celebrating our profession celebrating our, our um, calling and has made major differences in how we see this opportunity evolving. We're not doing the conferences. We're not connecting in person. But what has come about is the increased visibility about the importance of nursing. Uh, I grew up with a holistic nursing theorist, so I never knew that there was a nurse that wasn't holistic. And in holistic nursing, we believe that people are greater than the sum of the parts, that how you feel spiritually affects your ability to heal, that the 21-year-old who's lost his leg is going to have so much distress and angst at the spiritual, emotional, and social level that it's going to impact the ability for that amputated site to heal. So I never knew there was a way of thinking about holistic nursing or nursing other than holistically. And what has been very interesting to me as I watch the Year of the Nurse unfold and the opportunities that are coming with it is that as I watch the nurses talk about their experiences, as they um, share with through TV, through uh, websites, Twitter, et cetera, share what's going on in their lives, yes, of course, they always talk about the shortages of testing and PPEs. But when they talk about their angst, when they talk about their agony, when you see the distress, the, 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 the extreme distress and sadness and grief, it's talking about not being able to do what I would call are the, the essence or the roots of nursing, about not being able to hold the hand, not being able to be there when someone is dying, not being able to support the wife of someone who's been with her for 60 years. And those are the roots of nursing. Leanne talked about the happy stories that we see when nurses talk about the joy and the affirmation of who they are when they're able to share the connections, the caring, the sharing of that spiritual connection with their clients. And so I think that even though it's been very difficult for a lot of us, the year of the nurse is presenting amazing opportunities to talk about the importance of nursing. One of my concerns and frustrations for quite a while has been that we are always the most trusted profession, but if you go back and look at the polls, we are not the most respected. And nursing mm -hmm. and what we offer is critical. As Leanne said, our presence, our education, 
our opportunity to learn skills that relate to relationship-based care makes us very unique. It does not mean that other professions do not care. I would not say that at all. But nursing is the only profession that really addresses the psychological, the cognitive, the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical well-being of individuals. And the well-being can occur as someone's taking their last breath. So we're special. We need to be trusted, of course, but we also need to be respected. And I think COVID is going to give us that opportunity to think about how our leaders function, to think about who we want to be, and how we validate, support, and honor the roots of our profession. I absolutely agree with all of that. Um, The other thing that I'm noticing is, uh, especially in places where, uh, to give an example, there was a surgeon who um, they closed the surgery for uh, the uh, non-essential kinds of surgery, and so he was kind of sitting without a job for a little bit, and he volunteered to work in the ICU, um, not as a nurse, but kind of as a support for nurses. And he was amazed in the couple of weeks that he was there. He commented on what he learned that he didn't know he didn't know. Um, And that really moved me. I think also the fact that nurses, um, well, the media still puts so much emphasis on the doctors that I just feel like this is such an opportunity. And like you say, in this year of the nurse, why are we not talking to the nurses more to get their perspective? Um, I'm hoping that this will be uh, during this year. I hope it's not that much more than that. But um, I hope that that we will become front front and center and be visible. Nurses have been invisible for way too long. So I I can't agree with you more on that. I get very frustrated. I don't know that everybody knows this, but the majority of the hospitals throughout the country have line items for aspirin, for Band-Aids, for Foley's, for tubing, and the line item for nursing is room and board. So when there is a financial problem, they don't lay off the doctors, they don't decrease equipment use, they don't impact on the CEO salaries, they lay off nurses. Now, the reality is that as healthcare providers, we're all in this together. The other reality is that hospitals cannot run without nurses. And if there are no nurses, there's no one to do the 24-7. You brought up the surgeon who got a whole different worldview by working with the nurses. There was several doctors that came forward after Katrina in New Orleans, and they reiterated the same thing, Leanne. They said, we can't, we can't do what the nurses can do. They usually can do almost everything we can do on general hands-on floor care. They can intubate. They can start IVs. They know the medications. But when it came to the care that the nurses gave, they couldn't do it and they came away with a whole new respect. So I think that this is, I agree with you about the um, visibility that usually the focus is on medicine, but doctors can't run the hospital. They can't give the 24-7 care. That's nurses. So this is an opportunity for us to really think about what kind of care do we want to give, what kind of nurses do we want to be, and how we want to help our consumers think about the health care they receive. Perfect. Let's talk about that right now. Um, I'm really excited to think, you know, once we have this visibility, how can 
we step forward as nurses and how can we even lead the way in what healthcare becomes going forward, just like Florence did, you know, 100 and whatever years ago, 200 years ago? I think that we have a paradigm of healthcare right now that is really focused on illness and disease. And we have to start thinking about how do we get back to the basics that Florence talked about. She talked about putting people into the best possible situation to heal. And that included things like fresh water, clean water, fresh air, good food. It also included the importance of things like beauty and making people feel safe and secure with their care providers, that if people didn't feel safe with a nurse, if they did not trust you, that impacted on their ability to heal. And unfortunately, our healthcare system has gotten very, it's very much a biomedical model now. We put an awful lot of money into technology and into drugs. I'm thinking that in the next 10 to 20 years, we may have the wisdom to recognize that the number one problem in our life is stress, and it makes us vulnerable to things like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, COVID, all those other viruses floating around. So when I think about how do we help nurses get back to the roots of who we are, the, the profession, and a lot of nurses, most nurses come into nursing not because of the paycheck or the hours, but because it's a calling. They recognize that we are gifted with the most sacred, vulnerable moments of people's lives. And with that understanding, they'll do whatever it takes to facilitate health and healing for people, even if someone is doing healing as they take their last breath. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our healthcare system is set up with a biomedical model where the, there's a fix and a cure orientation. And so we need to be thinking about and educating our nurses and how do we facilitate health, well-being, well-becoming throughout the lifespan through education. And I can talk about that more later, but one of the challenges we have is that we have educated nurses to think about people as a sum of the parts, the Mm -hmm. spiritual part, the physical, the emotional, cognitive um, etc. But people are much more than that. We are greater than the sum of our parts. As I mentioned earlier, our spiritual um, perspective, if we have hope and a sense of connection, makes a very big difference on how we deal with something like COVID. And one of the challenges we see in the healthcare system right now is that we have prevented people, we don't allow people to be at the bedside of their loved ones. So mm-hmm. from my perspective, we're pulling out a major, major support system and resource people need to heal. And so as we talk about transformation and leadership, we need to be educating our nurses in thinking about health and well-being versus illness and disease. Illness and disease and the diagnosis of such are very important, but that's the medical model. That's the scope and practice of medicine. Nursing deals with helping people be well and have a high quality of life throughout their lifespan, depending on what symptoms they're treating, what symptoms they present with. And we need to get to the root of the problems instead of treating symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one example of that, I don't know, uh, we can throw this in. As a labor and delivery nurse, it took me a while, but I began to realize that if, if people were having trouble with their delivery, there was often something in their background that was not known to the nurse 
that was interrupting. And I can remember one woman in particular that um, she could practically have delivered that baby just by coughing. And um, she just, she couldn't, she just could not let go. And I finally talked with her and there was a couple of things, but the main thing was that she felt like if the, if she delivered the baby, it would no longer be hers with the pregnancy. It was all hers. And um, she would have to share the baby once the baby was delivered. Also, all her dreams and hopes for this baby would be uh, faced with the realities of who this child really was and that she might be disappointed by it. So once I was able to get her to talk about that, she delivered the baby almost instantly. So what that's a, What a great story. And, and you were able to get to the root of the problem, which was anticipated or potential loss and grief that she exactly. was dealing with. You know, when I worked um, L&D, and when we worked L&D, we also rotated for postpartum, newborn nursery, the whole kit and caboodle. And um, one of the things that was so interesting to me is that when we had the midwives deliver, and they always, with the baby, when the baby was born, they always said, happy birthday, honey, to the baby. <laughs> we had less complications, hmm. and we had less bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that very shortly after working there. And it was because our nurse midwives came from a practice and an orientation of health and wellness and well-being, mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. was a natural process that they facilitated and nurtured versus the more medical perspective, because everybody who was delivered by a doctor, for example, had an episiotomy. Mm-hmm. And the energy was very different. So I think that we need to be working with our baby nurses, our new nurses, um, that are coming into the profession and educating them in a way that allows them to become nurses that we want caring for our loved ones. Exactly. Yeah. So what's the difference between nursing leadership now and, and what it has been in the past? Well, Florence was a standalone gal. She knew what was important. She documented it. She did research on it. And she demanded, and I will use the word demand, um, what she needed to help facilitate the best possible outcome for her um, soldiers. And what's interesting is nursing has, and maybe because we're female, mainly a female profession, but nursing has always tried to appease, play nice. Mm -hmm. In the 70s, we started to align ourselves with the medical model because we wanted the recognition and the affirmation that being aligned with medicine um, gave us. But in doing that, I think we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that that's one of the problems we have and why we don't have the quote-unquote respect the same way as physicians do. And so Florence stood up for what she needed. She held the space. She saw nursing as a unique and separate and educated profession. She recognized it as a calling. Now, I think there are a lot of nurses that still do recognize, the majority of us maybe, nursing as a calling. But one of the challenges that's happened is our educational systems have taught to that biomedical model that we bought into. We threw out along the way a lot of the art of nursing, and the art of nursing is how we show up. It's how we connect. It's how we creatively develop a care plan, co-create that care plan with the individual based on their individual needs. 
everybody is not a cookie cutter person. You know, we can't just use a cookie cutter and give the same care and the same treatment. One of the things that we um, articulate uh, as a gold standard is evidence-based care. Now, evidence-based care means that you use the evidence and you apply it to everyone. Again, we're not cookie cutters. Mm-hmm. We in holistic nursing talk about evidence-informed care, and that means that we have the evidence and then we apply it as needed to the individual if it fits their cir- circumstances. For example, healing touch, Reiki, a lot of the energy work is used throughout the world to help facilitate healing. However, you would not go and lay hands on someone without first assessing if there was any fear or anxiety associated with that intervention. If you have someone who's been sexually abused and you go in and you immediately start invading their perception, invading their body space, you're going to do more harm than good. So we have to start recognizing that what we offer, if we're going back to our roots, is care that's based on health, wellness, health promotion, well-being, quality of life, even if someone is taking that last breath, and get focused on how do we then educate our nurses, how do we talk about the curriculum in a way that's going to produce the nurses we want. So right. ANA, I'm an ANA member. Um, I have been a nurse for a long time standing. I value when they step up and they show leadership, and they've done a very good job of identifying COVID and the CDC documents. I would like to see more of a holistic perspective from ANA. They went, usually when we talk self-care and nursing on the general overall level, it's really focused on the physical needs, getting enough sleep, keeping your body mass, you know, your BMI index down, um, watching your blood sugar, running three days a week or gym, It doesn't talk about it from a holistic perspective. We don't talk about how to socialize nurses in thinking about the importance of safety and trust, like Florence talked about. So I think there's a different orientation or paradigm in nursing now for our leaders, especially the ones that are at the national table, versus what Florence taught us and espoused 100-plus years ago, almost 200 years ago. Right. Right. This is actually a good place to take a break, and so I'm going to do that now, um, and then we'll come back, and I want to get a little bit more deeply into this topic. So uh, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with Margaret Erickson, and um, she is the um, CEO of the American Holistic Nurses Credentialing Corporation, and she's a sought-after national speaker. Um, we've been talking about all things nursing and uh, connecting the history uh, all the way back to Florence Nightingale with what's happening here with COVID-19. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. WomenInHealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Yes, this is Leanne Meyer, and thank you so much for joining us on the other side of the break with Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And uh, we have been here, I'm talking today with Margaret Erickson, who is the CEO of American Holistic Nursing Credentialing Corporation, and she is a very popular national nursing speaker, and we've been talking about all sorts of things from Florence Nightingale to covid and we're talking now, or I'd like to go into um, talking about how so much of what 
is the calling of nursing, is that um, holistic uh, connection, including spiritual and emotional aspects of patients. And oftentimes that is not necessarily supported by um, healthcare organizations. So um, probably it's going to be in education that we're going to need to work on that. So Margaret, could you uh, take us a little bit there about your thoughts about what do we need to do to have nurses being able to do what they really are called to do? Thank you, Leanne. I, I would love to talk about that. I think that People think sometimes that education has to be all or nothing, that you either educate nurses to do tasks and be competent in those skills, i.e. starting an IV, emptying a Foley, patient education, um, those kind of, that orientation, or you teach them how to be um, connected and emotionally supportive, and a lot of the task-oriented nurses are nurses who perform tasks will think of the holistic nurses as not grounded, as not scientifically based. And that is really an incorrect assumption. Holistic nurses do the tasks because you have to care for the physical body. If you have somebody bleeding or they're not breathing or they're throwing up, you have to address the physical needs. But they also take care of the emotional and the spiritual needs. And we now know that how we think affects how we feel, and how we feel affects how we think, that the body is completely connected, that all the parts of ourselves are always working together, affecting one another. And as I mentioned earlier, it's very interesting when you watch the nurses tell their stories of joy or their stories of sadness. It relates to their ability to do what I think is very unique with nursing, and that is to have presence, have that connection with people during their most sacred, vulnerable moments. Do they have to be competent in the task? Absolutely. You can't have somebody that, as I said, does a wound dressing change or starts a Foley and traumatizes the patient, either physically or emotionally, because then you impact on their ability to heal, their immune system's ability to work to its best um, level, and the person to get better. And it also, of course, affects quality of life. So when we talk about changing paradigms from one of illness and disease to one of health and wellness throughout the lifespan, we're really talking about how we educate our baby nurses and how do we nurture them, how do we support them, how do we socialize them, what experiences do they have, what curriculum are they exposed to? Because we need to be thinking about what is the outcome we want upon graduation? What kind of nurse do we want to produce? So when we talk about, for example, um, pharmacology, we need to be talking about pharmacotherapeutics now because most Americans take supplements or nutrients. We need to understand how those supplements and nutrients interface with and affect, interact with regular medications. We need to be talking about what is normal and healthy, what is normal and healthy physiology and anatomy versus a focus that's just on illness and disease, the pathophysiology? When we understand what is normal and healthy, then we will recognize when the body is out of balance. We have a lack of harmony when there is an illness or disease present. We need to be teaching nurses how to understand that there are root causes of problems 
example I will give you is a gentleman I worked with while I was doing case management who had very bad respiratory problems, but his presenting problem continued to be chest pain, and it was getting worse. And they medicated him. They did procedures, lab values. Nothing was working. So they asked me to come in as a case manager. And I came in and I said, hi, I'm, I'm Margaret. I'm going to be working with you. I'm here to help you feel better. And for all nurses who are listening, the first interaction we have is when we walk in the room and introduce ourselves. If we give them a quiet, comforting message of what our intent is, we are telling them that they are important. If we race in to do a task, empty a Foley, take care of a, a squawking IV, um, do a treatment, then we're telling them our task orientation is th- what we're going to be focusing on. So I asked him why he was there, and he said, ask my doctor. And I said, I'm not interested in what your doctor has to say. You know better than anybody else what you need to hear. I mean, what you need to, what you need and what you need and what you need and what you know has caused the problems that have occurred. Excuse me. And then I said, can you tell me why you're here? And he said, look at my records. And I said, I don't care what anybody else says. You know what has made you sick, what has brought you into the hospital. And the third time I asked him, and I was sitting quietly by the bedside, and he said to me, my wife of 60 years has died, and I'm brokenhearted. We need to help nurses understand that when we get to the root of the problem, the symptoms go away. So we need to be educating them to recognize things like what is normal, what is, how do we facilitate normal physiology and anatomy, and then recognize when we're out of balance and out of, out, um, out of sync so that we can help them get back into balance. We need to be able to think about the intention and the presence because the most important tool we'll ever bring into a person's room is ourselves. We need to have them get skilled in communication skills. The most important skill you will have as a nurse is your communication skills. You use that to facilitate healing and health. You help understand their worldview through affirmations and active listening. Unfortunately, we tend to teach communication skills sometimes the junior or senior year. That needs to be the first course. People need to, the nursing students need to be socialized, that relationships and those connections are critical to our profession. And then after they're competent and skilled in communications, we teach them the tasks. When you teach them the skills about interpersonal relationships and communications as a senior, it's a tag on. And the focus Mm -hmm. then not on the relationships. Right. Exactly. So and it's that, a very, Leanne, it's a very different orientation of teaching. It's a teaching towards the relationship. It is a recognition of the importance that we bring as tools for facilitating healing. Nightingale talked about helping people to put themselves in the best possible state for healing. She never said we fixed them. She never said we cured them. And that's one of the... Um, things that are very difficult for nurses, if we teach them there to fix and cure, and then you can't fix and cure, which has been very much a prevalent problem with COVID, it is, it is um, very distressing to those providing the care. 
You know, it's interesting as you're saying that. I was thinking, I just read recently, and I didn't know this before. We hear about um, Florence Nightingale as the lady with the lamp, but that comes from when she was uh, in the Crimean War working, and she was probably, we would say, she was more in management at that point rather than giving the hands-on care. She had a, a whole fleet of nurses she brought with her. Um, however, she would go every night through the ranks of the, of the patients, the soldiers that were, you know, um, injured and dying or whatever. And she would, that would, that's what they would see is this light going up and down the halls or the aisles between the patients. And she would stop and give water to one patient or maybe talk to him. Maybe somebody was crying out for his mother and giving some comfort there. And those, uh, when she actually died, some of those soldiers that were still alive came back, no matter what their age or uh, um, conditions that they were in, they came back to her funeral because she made such an impact on them in her respect for them and um, the the trust that they had in her. Um, and then that went to her nurses also. But that just strikes me that that's another thing that she did, that she taught um, how important that being able to listen, even if it just takes a few minutes. I think that's one of the things nurses sometimes feel like, I'm too busy, I have too many patients, I can't sit and listen to a patient. Yeah, you can. And you'd be surprised how fast that can happen. Completely, I completely agree with you, Leanne. And one of the things that is important, listening, active listening is a very important skill that nurses need to know because you need to understand what is the root of the problem. We tend to treat symptoms. We do Band-Aid treatments in the hospital, and then the patients are revolving door patients. They're mm -hmm. back 30 days, 20 days later because the problem has not been resolved. We treated the symptoms. And I think, you know, when you talk about Florence, it's really interesting because we credit her with recognition and the value of a good environment, a healthy healing environment. But when you start getting into the work in more de in-depth um, exploration, she talks about, as you said, the importance of trust. And she talked, there's one quote that has stuck with me all these years, and it's something along the lines of, when you do not tell your uh, patient that you are leaving and they do not know that you are going, mm -hmm. you will lose the trust and you will not be able to get it back. Wow. And so that story about the soldiers and the difference she made, she connected with them because she was there for them. She wasn't there to complete the task. She was there to be with them. They felt there was an energetic, a spiritual connection between Florence and those she cared for. And she socialized her nurses to offer that same type of care. I wanted to be a diploma nurse growing up, and... I was told um, by my parents, we will help you if you go to the university. We cannot help you go through the diploma program because you're going to have to have a baccalaureate degree. And yet a lot of the nurses, my mother and other nurses who had started as diploma nurses, really showed me what the art of nursing was. Mm -hmm. And that art of nursing is many things, but one of the things that's most important is building that spiritual connection with the individual during those sacred vulnerable moments. And that is not taught in nursing school. It is not taught um, in most schools throughout the country. Now, we do, um, HNCC does have some holistic nursing programs on our website that 
uh, nurses, if they're interested in having a holistic nursing education, they can go and find out what universities throughout the country offer that kind of curriculum. But in general, we don't teach to that. And so why would we expect our nurses to be socialized that way? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the challenges with COVID is that we are using up our healthcare workers and the majority of healthcare workers in this country that provide the at bedside care are nurses. So we need to be thinking as educators and as leaders in this country, how do we support and nurture the nurses so that they stay in the profession? One of the challenges we're having right now is the new nurses leave very early. They leave their first job, sometimes the profession, within two years. So mm-hmm. there's a very different experience going on with new, our newbie nurses. And one of the things we need to look at is, is it because of how we're educating them? Is it because of who comes into the profession? Do they come in? A lot of nurses came in in 2008 during the recession mm-hmm. for paychecks. It's a, a good-paying job. I don't believe the majority of nurses, and certainly those who stayed with nursing, come in for the money. But we need to be thinking about how we're going to bring them into the educational system, how we're going to socialize them, how we're going to support them and nurture them so that they can be the most trusted and most respected profession out there. Excellent point. How are we going to do that? We have about nine minutes. One of the things I want to put a plug in for is um, AH&A and H&CC created the Holistic Nursing Curriculum Guidelines, and it's called the Foundations, Competencies, and Curricular Guidelines for Basic to Doctoral Holistic Nursing Education, and it is available on our website at AHNCC under the Resources page. It's based on the AACN Essentials, so it builds on the essentials that are given to all the universities throughout the country that guide curriculum development for nursing. But what we need is we need a different way of educating our nurses. And so one of the things that I do in my role is to try and increase the visibility of holistic nurses who are grounded in our roots and why that makes a difference. It's very interesting. I had a head nurse contact me one day and say that her nurses uh, were really frustrated because they were ICU nurses and they never got the DAISY Award. And for people who don't know what that is, it's a recognition by patients or family for outstanding nursing care. And they, she proceeded to say, my nurses can run circles around the nurses on the floor. They can intubate people with their hands tied behind their back and their eyes blindfolded. And they're not getting this award. And I said to her, when your grandmother is dying in ICU, when your child is critically ill, they expect you to be competent. Okay? That's so the minimum expectation. The other nurses were barely competent, but they expect mm-hmm. competence. But that's not what nursing is about. The tasks can be turned over to other people. It is how you show up. It is how you present yourself. It is a way of being. <clears throat> we have to socialize our nurses that way. We have to educate them with that awareness and we have to start thinking about ourselves as unique as a unique standalone profession. Not that we don't work with physicians or medicine, but that we have something to offer that is unique and different than medicine. I think we may have lost you, Helen. Or excuse me. Um... No, no, I'm on. I oh, was, you're I'm there. Sorry. Okay. I'm coughing. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
And I think that's a challenge because we know that there are things that we have to offer. Our leadership knows that we're very important in healthcare. But I challenge us as healthcare providers, as leaders at the national table, to be able to articulate what we do, how we do it, why we do it, and how we're different. One of the challenges we have in the educational systems right now is they're removing theory, nursing theory from education and replacing it with things like um, assistance approach, saturation, perfusion, circulation. Well, I'm sorry. That's not what our nurses need to be able to do. They need to be able to have a way of thinking about the care they offer and be able to articulate why they're doing what they're doing, how they're going to do it, and what the outcomes are when they reach um, the end of the process. For example, if I know that someone is experiencing loss, but I facilitate them with a sense of control, give them options and choices, I build a sense of trust, I facilitate their support systems, the outcome is going to be healing. It's going to be a better state of well-being. If, on the other hand, the person has the same experience, but I don't facilitate or nurture their support systems, I don't give them choices, okay? For example, you have to walk now, Mrs. Jones, versus you need to walk now or after lunch, Mrs. Jones. Do you want to walk to the edge of the, bed, edge of the room or do you want to walk to the hallway? We always can give people choices. If I approach it from a, a task orientation of telling them what to do, pulling out their support systems or not recognizing and supporting those support systems, the outcome is going to be very different. So theory is extremely important from my perspective because it allows us to use our voice, share what we're doing with our colleagues and other professions, and then determine what outcome we want to get to. So it is very proactive. This is one of the changes we need to see in nursing education. We need theory back. We need nurseology. Nurseology is a science and study of nursing knowledge. Other professions have their own unique knowledge base. A lot of our knowledge base has been taken from medicine. We are not physicians. People say to me, why, do you, why didn't you become a real doctor? <laughs> yeah. Physician is the title. Doctor is an academic title, right. okay? So I'm a, not, I'm a nurse. He or she is a physician, but we all can use that academic title. So I explained to him that my goal was to facilitate health, wellness, and well-being for people, to help them deal with the experiences related to the physical and spiritual and emotional trauma uh, event that happened to them. And I think that our national leaders need to, and I think they are starting, Leanne. I, I saw in the um, ANA Nursing Digest blog that on Sunday they talked about spiritual self-care, and that is the first yes. time Great. that I've really seen a well-done presentation on spirituality. But we have a long ways to go. Two things that you kind of mentioned uh, in passing here. One was the fact that there's no line item 
for uh, value, monetary value for what the nurses do. It's bed and board. Um, and so it's very difficult for others to see the value of what we do. And I, I don't know exactly how we'll change that, but it needs to change. At, at least we have to get the value of nursing out there. And the other thing is how many times um, the disease processes uh, under the underlying thing is often grief or unresolved um, uh, emotional or uh, you know previous physical or mental emotional traumas, and I'm really concerned because this COVID has created trauma for all of us um, in the country and in the world that we are going to have to address. And as long as we ignore that aspect, um, we're going to keep trying to medicate and um, stop people from feeling the grief that that is truly there. So um, we've got about two minutes here. Uh, if you'd like to um, say a little bit about that. Well, one of the things I want to say, Leanne, is I want to refer people to the HNCC website again, ahncc.org, and go to the resources page. And we have a COVID-19 response page, and it's very different than most responses or, or most resource pages. It is not geared towards data or disease or illness-oriented. It is geared towards we have self-care corner, we have a volunteer section, we have feeding the, the brain, feeding the soul, and aesthetic expression because we recognize that people can access the information, they can go to CDC or WHO or their, their, their state level to get that information. But we're trying to walk the talk when we offer resources that are going to fill you up, that are going to energize you, that are going to give you the resources that you need because self-care is critically important in nursing. And one of the things that we need to be doing is we need to be taking care of ourselves. And I've been very proud of the nurses who have said, I can't work without the PPE, or I'm expecting we don't know how this is going to affect babies. I can't work the COVID unit. So one of the things we have to do is we have to support our colleagues in standing up for our needs to be met and taken mm -hmm. care of. And um, I've, I am disheartened when I see that there are hospitals that are laying nurses off now because it's, they save a lot of money and because they're having financial distress. I'd like to see those nurses think about if they would want to go back there or find a different place, place that values them more because they could be lowering the CEO salary or uh, lowering some of the doctor's salaries. So I think we have to value ourselves and we have to value our colleagues. And, Leanne, that means we have to play nice in the sandbox. No more bullying. Yep. No more uh, exactly. picking on the, the, the new babies, but rather nurturing and socializing them to care for themselves so they can care for others. Exactly. Showing, actually showing how it can be done. That's one of the things I'm very grateful for that I had leaders and nurses that were able to show me something I had never experienced, didn't know how it worked. And um, I, it was my nature to, have, to want to have that kind of thing, but I didn't know how to make it happen because I hadn't seen it done. So um, we're actually at the end of our time here. And so I just want to thank you so very much for coming and uh, joining me. It seems like this hour went so fast. So thank you. Oh, Leanne, it's been my pleasure. And let people know if they want to be in touch with and just give them my email. Okay. If they want to touch so, base do, with me. Do you, want, you have time to say it if you want to go ahead and... It's, it is A as an Adam, H as in holistic, 
N as in nurses, C as in credentialing, C as in corporation, at F as in Frank, L as in Larry, A as in Adam, S as in Sam, H as in holistic.net. And our website is ahncc.org. And I, again, invite you to go see our COVID-19 response. There are some wonderful videos, some music, some things that will make you smile and laugh and make you feel good about who you are and all that you do because you make a difference in this world. You change the lives you touch. Could we um, uh, have a link or a connection to that on our uh, on my website for COVID Corner? I would be very happy to send that to you. Okay, that I will would be send wonderful. It to you as soon as we're done talking. Okay, we are done talking. Thank you so much for tuning in to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I've been delighted to have a conversation with Margaret Erickson, and. Um, who is the CEO of the American Holistic Nurses Credentialing Corporation and a very um, sought-after speaker, and now you can see why. So thank you so much, and um, join us next week. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week. WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020 womeninhealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare.